Today in the podcast, I have a concert pianist all the way from Israel. His name is Rami Barniv, and he has traveled the world extensively with playing the piano. He has done amazing compositions, which all can be found on YouTube in video form. And he's written a very interesting book related to piano fingering technique. Now, it doesn't sound the most interesting topic, but if you play piano, you'll realize that piano fingering is actually really important as a good skill to get you up and down the keyboard. Welcome to the podcast, Rami. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you. And I also wrote a book, uh, my autobiography, Blood, Sweat and Tours. So uh, just to complete that. Just, uh, just to complete that whole bio. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that would make very interesting reading because your family has had a history with World War II. You've had tragedy. You've lost family members. And, you know, it's it's very interesting to kind of see that story and to see where you are today. It's amazing, you know, to come from such a, a beginning. Yes. But uh, what I must explain is that I was born at the end of the war. And I actually did not experience any of that suffering and any of the adversities I uh, grew up in a sort of a wonderful heaven, uh, you know, as a, as a child. And, and furthermore, the people around hid from us all, all the, 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 what went on beforehand. So it's like, and it also seemed to us that whatever little bits uh, that we heard about the bad things that happened, it seemed to us, or they made it seem like it happened many, many years before, and and not just finished when I was born. At any rate, I was born into a very happy childhood. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, wonderful. Uh, it, it didn't really affect uh, any, uh, you know, of my growing up. It, well, I suppose. I suppose the conversation today, really, when I reference that World War Two link, if you will, is, I mean, just in the last week, Russia has decided to impact on Ukraine with um, the war over there. And it just highlights the idea of like, what does war solve? Do we have to go there again? And um, it's very interesting with your story, how that your family protected you from the negative potential inheritance of World War Two. That you escaped yes, uh, that in a sense. So how did yes. your how did your musical journey begin? Because you're a concert pianist, you've traveled the world, you've you know you've traveled extensively. You even help adult pianists, I believe, as well as part of your um, work as a pianist as well. So how did your musical journey begin? What's your earliest memory of music? Oh, <laughs> my earliest memory is maybe. Uh being two years old and, 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 and recognizing uh, pieces of music, uh, classical music, like Tchaikovsky, Vinyasky, Rachmaninoff. Uh, and who would be uh, your favorite, who would be your favorite classical composer of the romantics of, you know, Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, etc.? Well, at that time, my parents listened to a lot of romantic music. So uh, it was really all the romantics that, that I grew up on. Yeah. And uh, later on, I expanded to to uh, uh, periods of music before and after, which is you know baroque and and, and after the uh, you know modern. And so, but but I my parents were both musical, and that's how they met actually in early Tel Aviv. Both came on their own uh, to Israel from Europe. Uh, my mother came as a student. She first came as a math uh, student and then uh, switched and changed from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to uh, study music. And my father came with nothing, not a penny to his name. Actually, the, his, the story of his uh, immigrating to Israel, the whole story on its own, how he was in a boat, in an illegal boat, uh, on a trip that was supposed to be two, three weeks and was two, three months. With oh my goodness. Horrible storms and, and, and it's a whole story. Anyway, they met in Tel Aviv at the Conservatory of Music. My father played the violin and my mother played the piano. 
and uh, they uh, they fell in love and they also started playing gigs together and then they got married so <laughs> it sounds beautifully uh, was, romantic even coming out of tough situations what a what a beautiful romantic story it, yeah and and i was the second child actually my brother is four years older and uh, my mother decided to start him on the piano one day and all it lasted was one day because he decided and proclaimed that piano was for girls so uh I was next in line, and um, uh, that's when my piano uh, lessons started with my and mother. Did, as did, my did you fall in love with piano straight away? Was it like I love this instrument? I love the sound. What, what I, kind of relationship had you? With I don't song? know if I had the uh, if I thought of it. I didn't think of it, but I I did love to play the piano. Not so much to practice, but to play. Uh, yes, I, I I played the piano. It, it, it was a way of expressing anything. I, I also right away improvised and played songs by ear. And my mother taught me to read music very well uh, in, a, in a system, in a way that I still use today on students and it works very well. Okay. All my students are great uh, music readers. Fantastic, so, fantastic. Uh, so I, I was, I liked the piano very much, and and actually, I could do other things, but that was what I liked to do the most. So when you think of um, playing piano, you have playing a piano solo, you have playing piano in groups in the classical format. You might think of concertos, piano accompanied by orchestra, all of that. What is your favorite way of playing the piano? I love all uh, piano playing and, and solo, chamber music, which I did a lot all over the world. And of course, soloist uh, with orchestra. And I so much uh, love playing together that I also did a lot of accompanying on the piano. And yes. that would be uh, any other yeah. instrument and singers and, and, and also in pop and, and uh, Israeli songs and music and, and Jewish songs and folk songs. And, and, so you've played and everything. You've played everything. Yeah, most, most types of music. Uh, yeah. So if I were to push you and say, who's your favorite composer? What's your favorite genre? What would you say off the top of your head? What would you say? Well, uh, I do get this question and somehow I don't really have a favorite composer, but I classical music is what what I like, and classical means anything from baroque, pre-baroque, and and up to today uh, modern music. Uh, this is what the the type that I like. The uh, yeah, that's where you that's music. where you're most comfortable, I suppose. Yeah, it's that's, not. That's your I don't. Yeah, I don't dislike like uh, popular songs and stuff like this especially if they're nice romantic and not just uh, banging yes, on your yes. head. Yes, like rock music, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely not hard rock and, and metal and stuff like this. But, it's a, it's yeah. a unique one. Hard rock is definitely unique. <laughs> it has a reputation. But yeah. So I like classical music and I like all, all great composers. So I, I can't uh, point to, to one only in particular. Yes. Yeah. And when I say classical music, I also include nowadays um, ragtime that, that has become part of concert music and uh, piazzola tangos that have become Beautiful. also part of their regular repertoire. Yes, so they have, yeah. it's quite a broad uh, spectrum of, of, of what I call classical music. Yeah. Okay. Now, your mom taught you how to play piano. So how did you transition from childhood into teenage years into adulthood and then obviously become a performer? How did that all happen? I started performing quite early, so uh, it wasn't much of a transition because uh, my mother used to have uh, student concerts at home. She, she used to teach uh, other students and so uh, once or twice a year, there was, 
our little apartment, uh, the little room became a concert hall. Uh, squeezed in like 30, 40 people, you know, students and parents. And, and I got to perform right away from the beginning. And, and then we performed together also. My mother, my father, myself, and my brother who continued on the violin. Very beautiful. Piano. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was more manly for him. So, <laughs> But we performed together. We played four hands and two violins. We, we played all, all famous overtures, uh, you know, this way and stuff like it. So we got to play gigs this way too. So, so really, you got you got really into performance at a young age. I mean, there was no question only you just play. Yes. Enjoy it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There was no yes. big hang up. No big hang up. No, no. Now, what has been your biggest musical achievement to date? When you look back at all of your years of performing and, and traveling across the world, you've spent a lot of time in the US. So what has been your biggest musical achievement? Well, I... I'm not sure what to even consider as, I mean, in, in what way an achievement. I think traveling the whole world, being able to give recitals, being able to be solist with orchestras, just being able to do that and to keep it's on amazing. doing it It's amazing. It's amazing. I think that's pretty much of an achievement. Uh, but many, many years later, when I all of a sudden decided that I wanted to share some of my knowledge in a book, and I wrote my piano fingering technique uh, book, uh, I, I think that, that amazed me too, 
because I wrote it, I published it, self-published it, by the way, in um, 2012. And that is after I wrote to about 200 publications and nobody cared for it, nobody wanted to take it. And I'm so grateful that no one did because I have no one to share with all the profits and all the success. And it's been going on ever since, selling like hot potatoes, constantly. Well, just to back up a little bit, for those people who are not pianists, um, and maybe may not even understand this whole notion of piano fingering and how important that whole topic is, fingering is critical to get you up and down the piano successfully, at speed even. Um, can you talk more about the importance of, of why piano fingering is an important topic to speak about when it comes into the realm yes. of... Well, if you said for people who do not understand piano or any uh, musical instrument, you play with your fingers. I mean, this is the the uh, closest part to the instrument some have... Yeah, but, uh, but this notion of, of using the fingers in a certain way is critical. Exactly. So That's critical. fingering is important in every instrument. You you can yeah. produce a certain note or pitch unless you know the correct fingering in 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 uh, other instruments. But in the piano, it becomes an extra importance uh, what fingering you use because you have to be able to play uh, with power. You have to be able to play with uh, gentleness. You have to be able to play fast. You have to, the fingers do it all. And there's an order and there's, if you, if you can't use efficient fingering, because you can use various fingerings, but you need to use efficient fingerings to produce and get the best results of anything you want to get. Even phrasing and anything like this, has to do with fingering because some fingering forces you to lift your hand and phrase and some fingering enables you to play a complete legato smooth and and uh, beautiful lines so uh, it, it all has to do with the fingering now when we look at the human hand the strongest fingers are your thumb your forefinger your middle finger but then when you head into fingers four and five they're the weak fingers. So how do you strengthen those fingers up as a pianist? What's your method? Well, uh, the weakness is uh, not as important as uh, the dependent. They are the most independent fingers because physically they are tied together with tendons with mutual tendons, that is fingers three, four, and four and five, more than the other fingers. And uh, I talk about uh, piano playing techniques as well in my book, which is not only fingering like use fingers to two or three, we remember them, yes, from the thumb outwards to the yes. pinky. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. So, it's not only use this finger or that finger, I also talk about technique. And uh, one of the techniques of playing the piano is called rotation. And you rotate your hand uh, like around a, a, a imaginary uh, center, which is in your forearm in the middle, you know, between your elbow and the tip of your fingers and you rotate uh, left and right. And uh, while using this technique, you all the power that you need in the fingers is really just uh, to be able to hold the weight of the hand. Okay. You don't need more power than that to, to have, uh, to, to endure the impact. Mm -hmm. But it's not only always about moving your fingers, which is of course, very important but it's also how you move your arm your forearm and the rotation helps so sometimes you don't need so much power as that there was a, the original initial question but you need to 
uh, move your hand in in the correct way and and you get just the right sound that you so can. am i right in understanding you need to understand the physiology of your arm and how it connects into the hand and utilizing that according to the requirement of the music in a sense anyone else would tell you yes <laughs> but okay. i think the understanding has to be like this i have to do this to get that result. The only the connection and the relation between what I do and what I get. And what goes on inside, I personally don't care. But it's okay, other people tell you, you have to know everything about or how the, the hand on the arms and everything is built and what the tendons do and what the muscles do and, and what other parts. But well, in, in my world, Rami, what I would be thinking is keep it simple. So if I understand where the weight is coming from and I'm able to use and, and disperse that weight the way I need it into my hand, well, then have I a better hope of achieving my dream sound that I'm looking I, for? I totally agree with the simple approach. Uh, yes, all you have to know is that if you do a certain move with the hand, you, you get that certain sound and that's it now there's many pianists listening to this podcast i'm one for example i i um played piano all my life and i know that there are discussions about what form of exercises should you do every day as a warm-up routine before you head into your heavy we'll call it heavy practice or more focused practice on the pieces that you're learning for that particular period of time what do you think about doing, for example, Cherney's 101 exercises for piano? Or Are you a believer in that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what do you do to warm up? What's your approach? Okay, uh, there's exercises and there's warm up and uh, these two subjects I will address. I think uh, that repertoire of piano gives you all you need in both respects in the exercise uh, uh, department and uh, uh, in the warm-up if and this is what i do personally and i as, as you know i played concerts all over the world and 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 i yes must be warmed up properly to 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 begin a concert because uh, you don't want to begin cold and be warmed up by the time intermission came or something like this yes yeah it's part of the problem no matter what you do you're not totally completely always warmed up on, on the, so some people choose the program wisely too so they can kind of warm up on the first piece and then can uh you know without the audience noticing but anyway for exercise, I don't think you need any of the uh, so-called exercises because you can take any piece that you play and take any segment and just make that an exercise. Yes. For example, I wouldn't even go as far as Chopin etude uh, uh, of the third, which is a great exercise for playing double Thirds, you know, in scales yes, I do. And, I in know. In, and in chromatic scales and up and down and all that. I will not even go that further. I'll just tell you uh, Sonata number no. three by Beethoven in C major starts with a simple uh, passage, simple, I'm saying, uh, innocent passage of double thirds in the right hand. And those are double thirds. And it's a bit of a problem. And you just need to take those five, seven notes and say, here is my exercise and exercise that. So that's, yes. that's yeah. how I approach anything exercise and I don't waste time on exercise. And of course, Chopin is great because these are concert pieces. These are yes. marvelous compositions, mm -hmm. but I don't need to do Exercises are written only for the purpose of exercise because I can find them all in the music. Like I gave okay. the small example of, of the Beethoven. There's a, of, you know, a, a, every bit of, of, of uh, content music is an example for making an exercise. 
And uh, now about warm up. Again, why should I warm up on, on something uh, else than what I need to play? I warm Very up true. on the pieces on the pieces I play. I come to a concert place. I even practice three hours if I have if if I have the luxury. I practice three hours in the morning for an evening concert on the piano of the concert, and I would simply do my repertoire. But oh, here's something important. I don't start right away, full speed, full force. I start easy. And yeah, that's slow, what you're saying is slow practice is a gift, really. I remember there were stories about Liszt back in the day. And he was staying at um, a friend's home. And a little girl was there listening to Liszt playing, Franz Liszt. And the little girl could not get over how slow he was playing in advance of a concert that evening. And it was communicated with Liszt and so on. But it was just an illustration that slow practice really is is as yes. important. But I'm all for slow practice, which I usually do, but I'm already talking about warming up. So it's yeah. not a slow practice, it's a warm up. It's, it's just a little under tempo. Yes. And it's just not as loud uh, to, to begin with. And, and when I warm up, I, I go more into it like, like, and still, even then, I don't want to give everything when I practice. I save myself. You save country. your energy, yeah. So I warm up on the pieces, but I still don't don't do the performance because then it's there's a danger that my practice will be a better performance than the actual performance. Yeah, you'll use up your energy yeah. because it's it's yeah. energy of yeah. the soul when you're performing. So, so that leads into a question: What makes a really impactful good performance? What are the ingredients that really creates this amazing memory of the audience members that listen to the music. What's so special about uh, the performance? Well, it starts, off, it starts way before. It starts with your education from nothing. And it, it, it grows with you. And, uh, and then into the particular program and pieces, how well you prepare them. They, they become part of you. Uh, you you should be able to perform the pieces that you're going to perform day or night, half asleep, or uh, you know, they should just flow out of you with ease. Yes, uh, but from the middle to the end, or any backwards and forwards, you should really know they should really be part of you. And, and and that's how you you come prepared and uh, yes and how many hours then, a day do you suggest someone practice for that you know for that pianist who wants to really do the best they can what length of time I would you say is a cannot guideline? I cannot uh, suggest how many hours because everyone is a little different uh, I had to work hard <laughs> practice many hours in in my heydays I uh, practice up to 10 hours a day, you know, when you need to prepare a large repertoire for concert tours, you can go uh, on a tour with, with one program. Uh, people want different programs, people want to choose or be able to choose. So you go with two, three different programs. And then if you have concertos, if you have orchestras uh, that you play with on the tour, they also want to be able to choose. So you, you go with with like three programs and uh, two concertos or, or something like that. And and so I had to practice a lot just to uh, learn and maintain uh, the repertoire. repertoire. Because once, once you're on a tour, you can't really practice a lot. If you're lucky, yes. okay, you get a few hours before the concert, but but you're traveling, you, you, you're changing places and you are on on trains and buses and airplanes and and uh, boats and ferries and <laughs> every type of uh, travel uh, experience way. you can dream up of, yeah.
So you've spent a lot of time in America and before this interview we were chatting a while back and you said that you do workshops for adult pianists. Could you talk more about that? Well, at one point I was hired to uh, teach in what they call a piano camp for adult players. And uh, I taught in that place for about 10 years. Uh, by the way, all the stories and everything I'm telling you is... Is, is, uh, is in your autobiography. Yeah, exactly. In my autobiography. A good plug. Autobiography. Get Rami's autobiography. Right. Uh, and so I taught in that camp for 10 years. And then one day I was fired. So uh, You were fired? That, yeah. Oh, so my I'm, goodness. What did you do that was so bad? Uh, well, I don't know, but <laughs> maybe I was too good or too successful. I don't know. Uh, until then, I didn't think of doing anything like this on my own. But uh, once I saw that that was such a beautiful uh, idea, and uh, I decided uh, to open my own. Very good. And this was this was in America. You were doing this. It was this over across this the world. Was in America. Yes, in America. I worked okay. a lot in America, in the United States, and also in, in you know all over America, like like Canada, Mexico, South America, touring and working. You've seen and it all. Yeah. And so I opened my own piano camp, and I had quite uh, a following. And uh, still doing it until today, as a matter of fact. Next and what week, do you like um, about the piano camp? Like you've adult pianists coming in. Do they have to be of a certain level before they can be allowed into the piano camp? No, nope. like how... I, I take anyone, even a complete beginner. And really? I love, I love to teach them. And I got professionals, pianists, piano teachers who come and uh, adult amateurs some uh, in beginning levels and some in very, very advanced uh, levels. It, so it sounds like a great community building exercise and like-minded souls getting together with the one interest. It sounds wonderful from that point of view. Yes, yes, it, it, it's beautiful. Everybody loves the friendships that they create. And uh, I also have composers who come in and, and, and get hints from me about the uh, writing or about uh, notating, but mainly about how they should play their own pieces. <laughs> so. Now that leads into composition. You are a composer. So can you talk more about compositions you have created? I know you've done some mixes with box music and added in your own style into it. And you've done arrangements of George Gershwin pieces as well. So I, can you speak more? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, uh, well, I, I'll start by saying my father was a composer. Oh, really? But he, yes, but he didn't really get a proper musical education. He was extremely talented and he wrote beautiful pieces. Uh, he wrote a violin concerto that he actually presented to uh, Yasha Heifetz, but uh, Heifetz uh, visited Israel um, and left in anger after he was uh, attacked in the street. He wasn't hurt, but he was attacked because he was playing uh, Strauss or Richard Strauss or something okay. that uh, was not supposed to be played and offended a lot of, uh, here we're going back, uh, people, survivors of the Holocaust. Yes, yes, yeah. And. Um, so, so my father was a composer. He also had a beautiful uh, calligraphic handwriting for music. And, and as a child, I, I composed little things and he wrote them for me, put them in a book or copied them, uh, you know, and put them, because I wrote them myself, but he put them in a book, uh, in a beautiful, beautiful uh, writing. Uh, but there was nothing important in those compositions of mine. And I wasn't thinking of composition for many years because mainly I was doing my uh, career as a concert pianist. But at some point, uh, who knows what, maybe age 40, <laughs> I um, started 
thinking again of, of composition. And I did uh, both the concert music and also folk songs uh, in Hebrew, in Yiddish, that is the Jewish language and, and in English and uh, uh, anything from classical performance, concert music to folk songs and concert music for the piano that afterwards I did with other instruments as well. Music and, and for singing, wrote a song cycle. Also connecting now back to the Holocaust, I wrote a song cycle dedicated to that. Seven songs uh, with a poet uh, who uh, actually was a survivor of the Holocaust as a very young boy. Uh, so uh, yeah, I started composing and started playing my piano compositions in my concerts and uh, recording some. And uh, so people can YouTube. find people can find your compositions there on YouTube. Um, yeah, I'll put some links there into the show notes for people to look you up on on YouTube. Well, it's, it's easy. My channel on YouTube is Barniv in one word. B A R N I V one word. Oh, that's easy. Barniv. Okay, very that's, good. That's the channel, and there's a lot of my playing and my playing my own compositions, and who knows what other stuff too. <laughs> now, I'm just thinking, where can people find out about all your books? Uh, maybe even going to your piano camp. Where can people find about all of that information? Oh, well, my books and my music. Uh, they're all on Amazon. They're also on Sheet Music Plus, uh, and uh, I'm sure on other things that I, I'm not aware of because things go automatically, like to eBay and to other booksellers and stuff yes, like that. Yeah, they, they do. They, 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 once here it's on Amazon, it goes all over the place. So my my books and my sheet music uh, there. About my camp, there's a there's a site uh, that you will have to uh, post or something or I don't yes know i can put into the show notes yeah yeah okay so uh, you can put those uh, sites on and yeah my camp is usually although i did branches all over the world but it usually is in upstate new york mm -hmm. and it's a week long program and i love all the adults that come to learn and they get a lesson a day for five consecutive days and they get master classes in the evening and we uh, eat together and we party together. Oh, it sounds wonderful. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> and we do a recital at the end of camp after a week. And uh, as I said, uh, beautiful friendships uh, come out of it. Yeah, but that, but that piano camp for me anyway, coming from where I come from, um, it sounds like a great opportunity to start into this arena of performance if you're not the most confident person because you're in such a supportive atmosphere. Because some people find this whole performance a big hang up in their mind because they might not have the tools of how to actually get on a stage and perform the way they dream of. So being in such a supportive environment sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Now, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it big is, thing. It's a big it thing for some people. You know, it's it's a real big deal to get up on that concert stage and to pull it off. It is a big I deal. I know, I know it, and the, the environment is really supportive. And every camp we have somebody who's in particular afraid, and we're so encouraging that they, they really go on and the second time they go and they already feel at home like like Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's just breaking great. the ice, but having the it tools, I, I often think it's about having the tools and the knowledge of how to do it. It's, you know, put it, saying to somebody, just go up and play is not enough. They need support. They need guidance. They need the tools to get up there and do their thing. Now, I'm just wondering, you have a lot of experience now traveling across the world, playing piano in front of ton loads of people, doing amazing things and pulling amazing pieces of knowledge together and compositions and so on. What has been your biggest takeaway from all of your musical experiences to date? I'm not sure. <laughs> or well, let's ask it another way. What would be the biggest <laughs> piece of advice you could give somebody? I see. Okay, because the, the, 
the first question is, I don't know if that's a takeaway, but this is sharing, sharing my knowledge, sharing my abilities, sharing what I feel it, it comes uh, into expression both in my performance and in my teaching. So whether in other words, you get great satisfaction through sharing your knowledge. Uh, right. And, and, and sharing and your music what, and bringing joy. And that's what I love to do is, is share. Yes. And uh, now what was the second part and of the, the biggest piece, the biggest piece of advice that you would give somebody who's dreaming of, of just achieving that dream sound on the piano, yeah. what would be your biggest piece of advice? The, uh, the advice is, is uh, simple. <laughs> Work hard, really hard. Uh, both physically and mentally work very hard and then believe in yourself and let the world know that you exist. So, yes, so uh, what I would add to that is these days anyway, and you've proven it, you've been one of the, the originators of this idea, being an artist means you have to be a bit of a business person to make it work. Yes, yes. Although if you can find other people to help you out or do things, oh, with, yes. it, it, it seems like I did everything myself. But if I think a little stronger, there was always help. You of course, no man is an island. From, no man is an island. Every place you must have help. But you must first work hard and then you must go out there. Now, one of the things that some people will think is, oh, my goodness, I have to have this amazing, almost like photographic memory to be able to perform like three bouts of repertoire, you know, on a concert stage. How can you develop a good memory? What are like, are you born with a good memory or do you can you work on your memory to be really good? Uh, I don't. No, I think you're born with whatever amount, if you can say that way, of talent you have for music. And the rest is hard work. So Yes, and I, I, would think... add, I would add to that and say that if you can't allow stress into your life and you can't allow self-doubt. Those two things will screw your memory. I don't know. <laughs> All yeah. I know is that that you work at it. You, you I, I simply study and memorize uh, uh, things. It, it doesn't come to me like from the air that, uh, although, okay, there was once in college that uh, we had a teacher, a chamber music teacher who put music in front of us. We never saw, so it was sight reading. We play uh, a quintet, piano quintet, up to the, uh, the end of the exposition, which is the first third more or less of a piece. And uh, he stops us and he says, now close the music and play from the beginning without the music. <laughs> so, and we did it, but uh, I, I was already, you know, uh, maybe 20 years old or so with, with, with lots of experience, both in, in sight reading and memorizing. But I'm not sure that I could do this every time again and again and again, like play a piece once and, and, and the second time memorize it. That I really had to work hard on those things. And yes. then memorizing is not enough because you gotta be secure, securely memorized. It, it, it's, you know, no room for... for uh, yeah, so like else. you said earlier, it's just got to ooze through you. It's got to flow it's, through you. It's so yeah, ingrained it's in you and be, that's where... The I you know I've heard a quotation for experts it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert in whatever field you're focused on, so in a sense yes. you know you gotta put the effort into just get it into your blood almost. Yeah, it must become part of you and yes. you're part of me. Yeah, very good, very good. Now, where can people reach out to you if they'd love to just connect with you? Maybe ask you some questions, find your books learn more about your piano camps and so forth where can they reach you well uh, i'm available on email i'm available on on facebook uh, with my name you know easy can 
make friends. Okay. Rami Barniv and Facebook, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. And uh, if you you can post my email uh, address. Uh, yeah, piano fingering at yahoo.com. That's a good address too, yes. Okay, <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast today and it's really interesting. And I think your autobiography is a, it sounds like it would be a fascinating read for an open and well, pianist. Let me tell you one thing about my autobiography. I put some thoughts as, as various chapters in between the actual uh, chronological happenings, you know, which I go by years in, in the autobiography, I start towards the end every other chapter to dedicate to various thoughts about music, oh, about okay. interpretation, about technique, about uh, uh, fingering, about um uh forget various various musical topics that that i put in my own thoughts about very interesting so i i it just really sounds like that the combination of your piano fingering book and your autobiography an up-and-coming musician who's fascinated with the world of piano would benefit greatly from the knowledge you're sharing so that sounds fantastic i think i think yes <laughs> yeah Okay, great. And are there spaces available for your next piano camp if people wanted to reach out and connect? Um, well, they should reach out and connect. It's hard for me to tell if there are spaces or not, because nowadays uh, a lot of people want to come. And then uh, a lot of people who want to come also, for some reason, cannot come. Yes, so uh, one can one can always uh, connect and find out, okay. and uh, I'll do my best to uh, accommodate. Uh, fantastic, people. fantastic. Well, it's it's been great having you on and hearing your story today. And all I'll say to the listeners out there that if you're a pianist and you want to learn all about piano, this is the guy to connect with. So great yeah. to have you on. Thanks very much for coming on. Th thank you so much for having me on. <laughs>